Our text is from chapter 11, these words, and when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. It's Luke 11:25. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, who doesn't like who doesn't like a clean house? Who doesn't like a clean house? Okay, perhaps some of you are already thinking, well, if I have to be one doing the cleaning, clean house is not as appealing as it sounds, Pastor. Okay, for the sake of argument, let's just assume that the clean house is well and clean. And we didn't have to do the cleaning ourselves and we didn't need to pay for the cleaning. With that assumption, can we all agree then that a clean house is a good thing? I think we can. So what then about a clean spiritual house? Clean spiritual house. Clean soul. Clean mind. A clean heart. What's that? A clean spiritual house? Well, that would be a soul, a mind, a heart, not troubled by what it sees presently in the world, not harassed by thoughts and actions of the past, not harangued by ideas, ideas about the future, about wants and needs and desires that can fill up a heart, a a soul, a mind with nothing but vexation and distress. So spiritual cleanliness, a clean spiritual heart, a a clean spiritual house, a clean heart, as in... Create in me a clean heart, O God. And clean soul, clean mind. This would be good, wouldn't it? I mean, I think we know this is good, right? The happiest moments of our lives are moments of such inner cleanliness, aren't they? Moments in which we are not troubled in the slightest by our past, the present, or the future. Thus the appeal of drugs and alcohol which masks those ideas, right? The past, the present, the future. Diversions such as reading, television, card playing, exercises or hobbies, activities which divert us from what's going on inside of us. I suppose we could even suggest that we probably spend as much time diverting ourselves from our messy souls and minds and hearts as we do from that messy room in our house. You know, the one, the one we've been meaning to get at for years. So our text, our text about the house swept clean, really a reference, a reference to a soul, a soul swept clean, empty, put in order. But oddly enough, such a put together, a clean soul turns out to be a bad thing. Bad thing? Why? Well, because there's nothing in a cleaned-up soul to prevent even more evil from following it up. More evil than it ever experienced before. Now, if you've ever, ever had a leaky basement, you know what I'm talking about here. One morning in the spring, you find a bit of standing water in a corner or along a wall, so you break out the wet vac and you clean it up and you start some fans and you dry it out. And returning the next day, you find an even bigger puddle. Why? Well, why you cleaned up the mess. 
He did nothing, absolutely nothing, to prevent the mess or an even greater mess from reoccurring. Get to the point? Our goal as Christians is not to have a perfectly swept soul. Indeed, such a soul, a perfectly swept soul, is not possible. An empty soul is not possible. For resident in our souls will always be one of two beings. One of two beings. Either Satan or Christ. Satan or Christ. The point of our text is that Christ actually must take up residence in our soul. The stronger man, Christ must come in and bind and expel the strong man Satan in order for us to ever and always exist in peace in our heads, in our hearts, in our minds and souls. And this is especially what the Gospel of Luke points out to us. And that is that when God became man in Jesus, he did so that he could dethrone Satan as prince of this world. And so, expel Satan from the hearts and souls and minds of all those who believe in Jesus and take up residency there himself. Now, how does Christ do that? Christ does that through the preaching of his word, through the preaching of himself. The Holy Spirit convicting the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. And by judgment, what is meant? is the judgment of Satan. Now, now is the judgment of this world, Christ taught. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. That drawing to himself occurred when Christ was crucified. For when he was crucified, payment for the sins of all mankind was made wresting the right of Satan to man from him, a right he had maintained since the fall of man into sin. On the cross, however, the reign of the prince of this world, his right to dwell within the hearts and souls and minds of man, came to an end, so that now all those who believe in Jesus as their Lord and their Savior, their Redeemer from sin, no longer are the de facto minions of Satan, but have become citizens within the kingdom of God. The King himself, Jesus, the stronger man residing in our hearts. Why? To prevent anyone else from coming in there. Now, you might be thinking at this point that this whole thing is kind of a bit scary that you don't want anyone within you that the safest best would be not to have Satan or Jesus in your soul and just be a friend of Jesus keeping your soul all to yourself a zone we could say of spiritual privacy well, you see, it doesn't work that way. There is no middle ground. For when we were conceived, Satan immediately takes up residency within us, being entitled to us as we were conceived and born in sin. And he therefore, he therefore has to be expelled. And he is expelled through our baptisms into Jesus Christ. That's how he gets tossed out. When a baby is baptized, that's what happens. Satan is cast out. Christ comes to dwell in the heart of that baby. Well, pastor, you might be thinking at this point, if that were true, if that were true, 
That's the deal. Jesus or Satan. When we see a whole bunch of people walking around with their heads spinning, or witches flying through the air on broomsticks, or a whole host of horrible things being done with regularity, well, a whole host of horrible things are being done with regularity throughout the world. More than we could ever comprehend. And here we can think of the vision of Ezekiel. Ezekiel being taken to the temple by God to show that the, the priests were worshiping idols in the very temple itself in Jerusalem. But simply because Christ is not dwelling in everyone does not mean that somehow everyone in which Christ does not dwell ex exhibits extraordinary evil. There is, after all, no need for that. The devil knows he can just bide his time and if such a person never hears the gospel, never hears of Christ, never believes in Christ, Satan will dwell in that person forever. Scary thought. That's true. There are, after all, lots of scary thoughts which are, well, actually true. That's why Jesus taught, whoever is not with me, whoever is not with me is against me. In other words, there's no middle ground. There's no empty soul. So the words of Christ about his word then take on a new clarity. Blessed, rather, are those who hear the word of God, who hear it and they keep it. We broached this topic last Sunday in the Bible study in Romans before the worship service as the Apostle Paul there and in other places talks about the obedience of faith. That is, about those who hear the word of God and then live. They live according to what they hear. For our purposes this morning, it's a matter of the word of God, the sword of the spirit being used to bring to us in our hearts and souls and minds a victory of Christ on the cross. Daily assuring us that not only are our sins forgiven in Christ, but that Satan in that Christ, cross of Christ was judged and condemned. Now listen up. Therefore, there's no reason to listen to his words, to Satan's words, as he would try to convince us in many different ways, like some macabre and grotesque salesman that spiritual salesman that comes and knocks on the doors of our souls daily trying to convince us that we are still his and he's still in control and there's nothing that we can do about it no no and no here old testament reading is vivid isn't it with the officials of judah arresting the prophet jeremiah for proclaiming that jerusalem was going to be destroyed their words were nothing but the words of satan we're not going to be destroyed. We are fine. We are the people of God. But they were not fine. And they were going to be destroyed. So God's word to them through the prophet Jeremiah was one of repentance, of exposing the words, the ideas, the life of Satan which had taken hold there, weaseling, weaseling his way into their souls. Satan must be expelled. Spelled from the heart and soul and mind of man and kept out of there, kept out of there by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For our part, Christ dwelling in our heart, we too must take the offensive, as did Christ himself, and be imitators of God in all that we say and do. Walking in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, is how the Apostle Paul puts it in our epistle reading for today. For at one time we were children of darkness, but now we are light. Light in the Lord. So we walk daily as children of light.
common saying years ago was this, idle hands are the devil's plaything. You remember that, idle hands are the devil's playthings. And the meaning was simple, was simply that if hands did not have something to do, something good to do, something productive to do, to keep them occupied, they would then set about doing something they shouldn't do. We could say the same thing about an idle soul. Actually, there's no such thing as an idle soul. A soul without Christ is indeed the devil's plaything. And whether he puts, it, puts that soul on a shelf for use later or puts it into action now in the world to wreak havoc, it remains the devil's plaything. Until Christ, the stronger man enters that soul by his word and cleans that house and stays there. Amen. Now, may the peace which passes all understanding keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus and the life everlasting. Amen. We rise and sing the offertory. <laughs>